Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 63 of A Wild Podcast Has Appeared. I am one of your hosts, Jim Biscardi, and we are whole again because Christian Hoffer's here and Megan Peters is back. back. I never left. Hey, this is about me right now. This is about (laughs) me, Hoffer. I promised I'd come back funnier than usual, so fingers crossed. We are your weekly dose of Pokemon news and knowledge straight from comicbook.com. It is a show that is broken up into three parts. New section, a deep dive, and the Pokemon fact of the week. This week's deep dive is going to run a little bit longer. If you're a loyal listener to the show, you will notice the runtime is a little bit longer because we had a special guest uh, that we have in an interview. He is... uh, the, he's an executive over at Jazzwares, uh, and he is a one of the uh, smartest collectors that I have uh, recently started following on Twitter. His name is Jeremy Padower, and I had a lot of fun with it. Christian was there too, uh, but I. <laughs> wow, that was just such a such a side note. I mean, wow. I think he was there. Okay, look. Uh, here's the I reason think- why Jim enjoyed this interview so much. <laughs> just, just to hype this Don't interview spoil up properly. It. That entire interview is basically the Jim Viscardi vindication tour. Um, it is it is all about Jim finally finding a sympathetic ear to tell about his stories, bilking you know grandmas out of money, selling Pokemon cards as a child. Um, you know, extolling the virtues of certain worthless Pokemon. Um, it's, it's, hey, I'm just trying to let our listeners know exactly what they're about to get. Look, we may or may not have had, um, uh, we may or may not have had success in potentially getting more Geodude uh, toys made, but... I, I mean, think that largely look, depends here, on the promises at, you made. At the end of the day, the my, my biggest reason for wanting to get Jeremy on, and we'll, you know, you'll hear about this in, in the show, is uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about high-value Pokemon cards and you know, them selling for crazy amounts for, for things that most, you know, everyone in, in our audience had at one point or another. And so uh, so we get we, do, we talk a lot about uh, you know Pokemon cards and and other things as investments because I we've had a lot of people you know uh, I've seen a lot of people ask us on Twitter um, and have comments and just trying to figure out like how do you get started and whatnot. Jeremy provides some fantastic insight while showing if you're watching the video shows off some pretty some pretty nutso cards uh, which are which are yeah. a lot of fun. So definitely uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, you know as always we will have a uh, you know we will talk about the the news of the week. Which, uh, you know, we have a bit, a bit of it. Of it. We have bit a bit, but Hopper decided to go anti-anime on us and didn't put wow. anime in the show notes. So wow. I will be slipping <laughs> that in. Wait for it. Wow. All right. Then go anti-anime. I was just trying to hit the biggest news stories of the week. We always cover the biggest, you know, up-to-date anime stories. I just didn't cover you know, a synopsis released for a future episode because I was trying to save that content for when, when the show out. actually came out. <laughs> oh, we'll have plenty to talk about when it comes out, Hoffer. But Fair will enough. we? Oh, we will. Don't worry. Oh, I don't know. It's getting thinner and thinner these weeks. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's, let's go first with uh, the Funko Espeon. Mm-hmm. It went on sale this week. 
See, I, I just see got mine. I just got may, mine. It may be out of stock by the time you listen to this, but it I, did go on sale, and we did warn you about it last week. Yes. So our job was done. I Us. ordered it yesterday. I saw Hoffer's article go up saying it's here. I ordered it, and about 20 minutes ago, it arrived on my front porch. Yeah. So, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So it's on my front porch. I would show it off to everyone right now on the video, but given the COVID era, I have a ring, and the FedEx person coughed when they dropped it off on my porch. Oh. So I sprayed it with Lysol, and it's sitting outside. So it's not in my house. <laughs> but I have it. It's there. Christian, is it is it still is it still available as it, of recording? It is as of recording. As uh, of so Wednesday, eleven eleven a.m. Central. So approximately twenty three hours before you listen to this episode, because we know that everyone spends their Thursdays impatiently waiting. Look, for there the are a lot of people who live. listen to this as soon as we push it live. So, um, I, and I appreciate those people. Always appreciate those. Those are those are the real fans. I'm just like, kidding. We whoa, love whoa, whoa, whoa! We, we love all wow. our fans. We value wow. people who are friends. But the people you know, who listen to it, you know, first thing in the morning on Thursday, we have a special place in our heart. When we get a one star review from somebody who's <laughs> don't like, well, don't whenever you say when we get a one star review you invite people to leave us a one star review like the the, the angry Pichu fan who left the, the one star review when I went on a tirade on how I don't like Pichu. See, there seems to be a connecting thread in all of this is that you go on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> Notice it's never my rants that get the one-star reviews. It's only Jim's rants. Oh, but Megan, I have... Megan, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, but we oh, started yes, the I show did. with an oh, A-plus oh, review that was left. If you yes. love this show and you want to figure out a way to support the show and get yourself a free comicbook.com t-shirt, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And if we read it on the show, boom, shirt's yours. Man, uh, okay. That... That plug comes came 45 <laughs> minutes earlier than it usually does. Yeah, usually. I know. Uh, all right. Well, let's, hold on. Let's just, let's just keep going. I want to go. Wait, uh, hold on. To... I got another note. There's only oh, three more of those EV figures left. So mm -hmm. if you're oh, trying which to Which ones are left? So we uh, still have Leafeon. We have Umbreon, I believe, and Jolteon. That's so I those are... shocked that they did not do Umbreon earlier. Got yeah, to so... save one of the big ones for the end. That's yeah, true. So if, those... they build you, if you want to build that diorama... Yeah, because uh... all the pieces do fit together. They build a really cool diorama scene. Um, I have all of them except the three which haven't come out. So it's a pretty large diorama. It looks really neat once you've kind of pieced it all together. So keep an eye on that. The resale for these things are fairly pricey. So if you are trying to collect, I would definitely get on this sooner rather than Great later. Great investments that you'll hear about later. Yes, bringing it, <laughs> tying it all together. <laughs> I was just thinking about that too. <laughs> all right uh r.i.p pokemon rumble rush rush pouring porn one out for my homie it was a good game that just didn't have very much content to it and just uh couldn't hold uh i you know i i'm still just baffled about the entire release of that game uh i love those old like pokemon rumble games they're great time wasters yeah. And they just took the monetization one step too far and like kind of just slowly choked out the joy of that franchise. What lasts longer, Netflix original series or Pokemon mobile games? Mm, that's a good question. Well, we, <laughs> you know, Jim, Pokemon Masters is still a thing, so. <laughs> this is true. It's still kicking. 
Oh man, I mean that's just like the as we hear more and more stories like this, just like like the disconcerting part about like Pokemon mobile games, where it's like, how do you get excited about one, whether or not you know, knowing whether or not it may live or die in you know six to twelve months? I think. Yeah. I mean, I would say I, I, I Pokemon Duel. <laughs> well, Pokemon Duel, you know, their problem all. was they didn't all. release any new content for like the. You know, the, they never continued the story. You knew that game was on borrowed life due to yeah. the fact that they never released an actual campaign update. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that Pokemon is definitely taking... They're, they're definitely re-looking at their mobile game strategy because originally yeah. it seemed that they were going real in on mobile games. And Nintendo, you know, the wider Nintendo was doing that, but Nintendo only has, what, three actual good mobile games that actually make them money you know and those those mobile games are um you know fire emblem heroes which is a gotcha game uh mario kart world tour which is a racing game with a gotcha element and dragalia lost which is the you know a new ip that has a very loyal and dedicated fan base myself included um but is also a gotcha game so i think that the real struggle is, you know, Pokemon by its nature um, doesn't, the, the gotta catch them all doesn't necessarily go well with the let's convince people to spend hundreds of dollars to, you know, for random pools. That's not like how Pokemon, I mean, it sort of is how Pokemon works, but you know, Mm -hmm. the, the idea is, is that with enough dedication, you can catch them all, not spend a lot of money to catch them all. Mm-hmm. And I think well, I that's think, the real disconnect in terms of the mobile games. Well, but I think also too, when you start seeing the Pokemon company make efforts like um, the cafe game that they just released, mm-hmm. but have it also get released on Switch, yeah, uh, is is really I think like I would imagine that would probably be something we see more of. Um, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Is that um, you know the the nice thing about Pokemon Cafe Mix, which is a game that, you know, I plowed through the first 120 levels of, um, Mm -hmm. and I haven't come back to do, like, the next week, is that they seem to, you know, know how to, like, draw it out properly. You don't have to spend any money to play it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a unique enough... It's it's really, like, you play it in, like, 15-minute chunks, and that... And you don't ever feel like, oh my god, unless I like plow through this, I'm not going to be able to compete. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not yeah. how that game works. And I feel like that is where the Pokemon company really like thrives is in that space. Yep. Um, you know, because that's how the old Pokemon Rumble games used to be. Where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna spend fifteen minutes to go and do this thing, and then I can unlock an island and come back tomorrow to do it. Um you know that that's what the older versions of Pokemon Rumble Rush was, and that really worked. Like that was a mm-hmm. good model for the franchise. Of you know, like the, the Pokemon Rumble Rush was just just a mess. It was just a mess of a game. It really, mm-hmm. like I said, super disappointing. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, but yeah, it's just the grand circle of mobile game life. Yeah, all mobile games will eventually come to an end. Um, and stop being supported. Yep. But that's all right. Uh, I think, you know, I am still shocked that 
Pokemon Masters is still around because I mean they made a lot of improvements to it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's that's the reason why is they, they figured out, you know, their original model for that game was so prohibitive that it just wasn't worth it. And they've yeah. kind of like retooled a bit. They've made the gameplay a little bit more engaging. I mean, my big issue was it wasn't even the fact that like, you know, like, oh, I couldn't get Gary and Pidget. Um, my, my big issue with it was, was God, it was boring. Like, you know, yeah. sitting through, like, a freaking, like, round of gameplay just was tedious. It was super tedious. So by speeding that up, they made that a little bit more enjoyable. And I think they just made, they, they did make enough hot fixes where the people who stuck with it now feel there's a lot more enjoyment of that game. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to do a big, like, you know, attract new fans. But then again, like... Games like Fire Emblem Doesn't need to. I mean, I mean, if, know, I mean if because it seems like it has enough people paying for it mm-hmm. right now, right? And so, if it slow drips gets new fans, then you know it. I mean, would they like more? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think you're right. Like, if they is there anything that they can do to to really kind of capture all the pizzazz and get people excited for for it again? I'm I'm not sure, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one of the big things is is that they have that game is as as that game grows, there will be more content for new people to explore. Now the question yeah. is, because that had so many people jump into that game, like right on the outset, like how do you get those people like us who played that game got burned out after five days? Um, how do you get us to come back? And that's going to be the big question. And I don't know what the answer to that is because, you know, they've done stuff like, oh, we have Jesse and Arbok and, you know, they have like anime characters in and they've been doing game tie-ins. And like, you know, it's an interesting model, but it's not enough for me to like dedicate my very little free time um, Mm -hmm. to go back to that game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, Pokemon Sword and Shield had a surprise shiny event over the weekend. Yes, they did. Did you participate? I did not because I spent my weekend out of, um, uh, for well, two things happened. I spent my Saturday traveling a bunch. Um, you know, I was in the car a lot. Um, and Sunday, uh, my wife went and picked up Paper Mario. Mm, which, good decision, good decision. That... Just side note, that game, I would like whatever drugs the <laughs> makers of that game were consuming when they made it. It is oh, yeah. one of the craziest fever dream games I have seen in a while. But it's um, amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely hysterical. Like, every time, like, she's got it on and I, like, come downstairs to, like, in the living room i just get like hooked and i'm just like what is even going on and then she'll like say like words that are strung together that make no sense so i'm not even going to try but in the context of paper mario it's just great um so no i did not get a chance to catch the shiny whale lord did either of you guys actually get the shiny whale lord no. i didn't and and like Am I over Sword and Shield already? I don't think... Did I, I mean... 
I mean, not really. No, the, no, the no not don't. really. I yeah. just don't really it's care just, about Waylord. That, I mean, I I'll, never, would. I'll never use it. I'm not really, you know, I don't really care about Chinese. Like, I only want Chinese of the Pokemon that I like. I don't, I'll never use Waylord. Waylord is cool in theory and gigantic and massive, but that. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same thing. Like, I didn't catch it. And mainly it's because, well, I also too have Paper Mario. <laughs> and I was yeah. like that, as well as the new Harvest Moon game on the Switch. But mainly, well, first, I, I didn't hear about it until it was too late. Yeah. Um, and then just the Waylord shiny doesn't really do it for me. But yeah. Yeah. Rest in like, peace, Waylord. It is a. Uh, it, it, it's. So, you know, my thought about it was it was really weirdly, like, put out there because it started on, like, a random Friday night. There it wasn't like a lot. Happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is, like, mm-hmm. cool in its own way. But, like, you know, it only lasted for 48 hours. Um, mm-hmm. It was a sea event. You know, it was a sea Pokemon invasion, I think, was what they framed it as. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I did like the idea of this event because... Mm-hmm. All players had a chance to get, like, you know, not only Whale Lord, but Sharpedo, mm-hmm. um, which is a Pokemon that is not available in the core game. So even people who don't have the Isle of Armor DLC had a chance to get Sharpedo, which I thought was a, a very cool thing. And I think we're going to see more stuff like that. They really need to tell us about it in advance. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, if they could give like a little bit more incentive to, you know, the people who, I mean, the, I guess the incentive is, is you have the DLC, but you did have to pay for it. So it's not like a added in bonus, but like, I'm so sick of Sharpedo. I know that people who play <laughs> the DLC are used to <laughs> right. playing Sharpedo. No. Right. You can't escape Sharpedo in the DLC. So I'm, it was a huge surprise for people who don't have the DLC, but for me, had I had I been able to do it, and I saw a Sharpedo outside of the DLC, I think I would have thrown my Switch out of a window. Well, and I I'm think that's so for, tired and that, of Sharpedo. Yeah, and I think that's the thing for me too, right? Like I I enjoyed the novelty more of swimming out to that giant whale lord that was out mm. in the DLC as opposed to that you know encountering him in uh, in a raid. Uh, mm-hmm. So. You know, I already thought to myself, I already caught that way. I already caught a Waylord. It was super cool to see him just being gigantic out there in the ocean, but I don't need a purple one. Yeah. Also, I already have two uh, shiny Whalmers in Pokemon Go. So Mm -hmm. when Pokemon Home eventually gets that Pokemon Go, like, cross functionality, I already have a shiny through that game so well, you know, i don't, offer. I don't offer. need another one mm, well that's just <laughs> well, great like, for you <laughs> i caught i caught i caught a, i caught two shiny ghastlies this weekend on pokemon go during that like hour where it was like catch all the Everywhere. ghastlies you want but well, you know that's because like, it was a community day well, it was community day. well yeah i know but yeah i was about to say it was a three-hour event which oh, I was think it three we, hours yeah yeah, I think we we made the notification on my phone the notification on my phone said he's only going to be around for an hour well, it was probably because you only had like one hour left. Man, that may um, have been true. Uh, I I think we forgot to mention that on. Yes, the, uh, yes, I believe you did week. because mm-hmm. I was out. I went to like some mountains for my birthday last week, and I somehow had cell service, and it was like ghastly community day, and I was so insulted that I wasn't <laughs> warned about it. So <laughs> I now guess I know how our <laughs> listeners feel when we forget. Some really important news. Well, speaking of Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go Fest is this weekend. 
Yep. Um, so is Comic Con, and just like, but you know. they, there's always like that. But I forgot that they always have kind of a crossover between those two. Yep. Two events, like you know, yep. last year I think they fell on the same weekend too because they invited me out, or no, they didn't invite me out, and I was like actually okay with that. I was like, no, this way I can actually like do work. The year before that, I got invited out to Pokemon Go Fest. Um, they did send me this really cool uh, Pokemon Go Fest box. Niantic did. Um, with a shirt and a bunch of like cool little things that I think they would have like either sold or given out had Pokemon Go Fest actually like happened live this year. So that was a really mm-hmm. nice gesture. I'm looking yeah. forward to Pokemon Go Fest. Same, very much. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. So that's uh, that's it for basically the news. Oh, sorry, I forgot. There is the anime story that Megan. <laughs> there is the anime uh, story. About. I was just uh, waiting to see if they would they would at least remember me a little over here in my corner. Yeah, Basically, yeah. I'll keep it short and sweet. If you are going to be watching the Pokemon anime, this last this past week was kind of just a filler episode. Um, but this next episode, very important that you pay attention because some of the upcoming episodes, one of them features a massive feud between Ash and Pikachu, where Pikachu gets a little green jealous monster on its back over Riolu and Pikachu's like you know what I don't have to deal with this I'm running away <laughs> so we get to see Pikachu's like long journey home back to Pallet Town with Mr. Mime uh, so Pikachu and Mr. Mime run back home to Pallet Town because they're upset with Ash and it's going to be likely a whole little hilarious but also kind of sad emotional journey so if you want to see Pikachu and Ash like get mad at each other for real for like the first time in a very long time Check it out. You know, kiss and makeup. I'm sure. My, oh, for my, sure. My guess is that you know, Go will like Pikachu leaves a note for Ash and like Go throws it in the trash or something. <laughs> Probably, honestly, at this point. So we'll see. But that that's my little anime heads up, everyone. All right. Well, uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to toss it to uh, our interview with uh, Jazzer Executive and Pro Pokemon Card Collector, Jeremy Padower, and we'll catch you on the flip side. All right, everyone. Welcome to a special segment of A Wild Podcast Has Appeared. I have been looking forward to this basically all week, ever since I reached out to our special guest today. He is the owner, founder of Jazzwares. He's got such a history in this toy business and is probably one of the smartest collectible investors that I follow on Twitter. His name is Jeremy Padower. Jeremy, welcome. Yo, it's good to see you. I, I do want to make a correction. I am oh, merely sorry. a partner in Jazzware. Oh, all right. Because, because my partners would kill me. <laughs> Fair What's enough. going on, man? It's good to see you, my brother. Fair enough. So um, I have, I've been, I've known who you are for a very, very long time because I was a huge wrestling figure collector. Um, so, so, you know, all the Jack from your Jack specifics days, nice. um, uh, you know, going forward. And so, uh, so and it feels like you, one of these perhaps <laughs> just, it's a, Oh, the, just, you know, yeah, just, you know, those, those little grails oh. right there. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> a 
one of 25 employee edition Ric Flair. And by the way, watch for fun stuff like that in our AEW line, which we're launching now. But let's keep going, my friend. So, yeah, well, so, and so, that, so that's the thing. So you have been a, a, a tried and true uh, collector um, and an and innovator in, in, the, in the toy space. Where, you know, was there some, some place along the line in, you know, the, your professional career where the, the, the light switched and you said, oh, like there, there is definitely something more to just producing yeah. collectibles, toys, and et cetera. Oh, for sure. And I'll tell you when it happened. It happened when I was a kid because... <laughs> I took it very seriously. As a matter of fact, I think that I understand the collecting philosophy. Sure. And I think the thing that connects us all is that we, we find value in attaching some sort of emotional connection to the brands that we love. But the value, the, the value proposition is a shared philosophy in macroeconomics. We understand supply, we understand demand, we understand rarity. And we're investing our money in things that we love, partially because we expect maybe there may be a return on our investment one day, or we wouldn't be buying the grail stuff, okay? Right. So when I was a little kid, as far back as I can remember, I was very transactional. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to have like a newspaper route so that I could buy a original 52 Tops wrapper, you know, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. I didn't have, didn't come from money or anything like that but I understood the value of buying things and then keeping them beautiful. And mm-hmm. so as I progressed and you know, was in school and college, I started a series of websites where you could buy and sell uh, basically collectibles online and I gamed Yahoo. So Yahoo was a very early search engine, 1995, mm-hmm. right? They were barely figuring themselves out. They were literally a phone book. I named everything that I had with two A's and I showed up first. There was no oh, algorithm whatsoever, right? So being in a situation where I was showing up first in every category, it put me in a scenario where I was winning. I was getting all the eyeballs. And what did I recognize? The people looking for Beanie Babies, the people looking for Furby, the people looking for everything else were not children. They were adults who were wanting to invest in something that they liked. And I carried that forward. So 20 years ago, when I really started in the toy business, after my whole domain name and internet days, people saw folks like us and you as fanboys or fangirls or kind of like nerdy or 40-year-old virgins. Now what are we considered? Mainstream, mainstream investors, mainstream everything. So it's kind of cool. The world has come to us. My philosophy was from the very, very, very beginning pro collector and understanding the value in collectors. I give you the long winded answer, but look, the truth is that is the best, that, that is the best outcome for all of us is to have people in the manufacturing side who are in it, who are mm-hmm. in it from day one. So, so I, I love, I love that story. And I love that the fact that it started from childhood because yes. a, a thing that I get derided on quite a bit on the show and Christian uh, will can, will, testify to this because he does it is um so in the in the in my early day and we'll, we're going to make a quick uh, transition right into pokemon cards yes uh w- when i was an early when i was an early collector i realized that uh there was a a market for this stuff and if i wanted to get the stuff that was perceived as rare uh that you know it was gonna it was gonna cost me in some form or fashion whether it was going to be other cards money, et cetera. Yes. And so, uh, so I remember as a kid, 
as a kid. Yeah. yeah, transactional. Exactly. So as a kid, um, we uh, I'm, I'm from Long Island. So, you know, we're you know, beach on the South Shore, beach town across the whole the whole the whole shore. And I would uh, set up shop in um, in one of the you know kind of highish traffic areas of uh, one of the beaches there. And I had a wagon set uh, uh, with Pokemon cards all laid out. And this was at the, uh, at the point, it was probably, uh, we're probably in the, the second set of them at this point. And, nice. um, and I had, I had my, my price guide, uh, you know, the magazine, you know, whatever magazine it was at the time with me. And, you know, and I, and I recognized that I was like, some of those were, they were already expensive cards in the early Pokemon sets. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. And, and I would, so I would sell them to, to moms, grandmas, unsuspecting, you know, adults <laughs> who wanted to get the cool cards for their kids. Of and course. so I would, I would make that money and invest it back into buying more cards to, to then sell, to then sell more. And so it's a 10 year old me with my wagon full of Pokemon cards, ripping off, you know, grandmas for, you know, a lot of money on it. I love that. By the way, you know, Alakazam. By the way, can I just tell you something? So how old are you now? 32. You are exactly the reason why I buy deep into Pokemon as an investor. <laughs> and, and let me explain why. Let me explain why. I still see, so I'm 46, so I'm old, okay? I'm old as hell. As a matter of fact, I might turn into dust and literally float away during this interview. <laughs> but with that said, my brain still has that shared philosophy. There is no age attached to being a collector, right? Yeah. So I totally get it. You were the 10-year-old kid that loved Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And the reason why Pokemon valuations are really flying today, it, is the, it has a lot to do with the proximity to capital mm -hmm. that today's 31-year-old has and the influence that you have over other people who may not collect core Pokemon, but understands the value of money and the value of collecting. So Pokemon, let me just give you an idea of something here. All right. So I recently bought the PSA, a P an all PSA 10 set of Pokemon, 1999 base set, first edition, right? And, and the reason why I bought, I bought that was $129,000, right? So, okay, good. It was a lot of money. But I bought it for one reason, okay? For, well, two, I love Pokemon. I really do, and I can explain why. But two, because a 30-year-old kid today, who was the 10-year-old kid 20 years ago and getting into it, has this money. Five years ago, that set was $35,000. Five years before that, that set was $12,000. Five years before that set was $2,000. Imagine what happens when those kids, which you are one of, yeah. are 45 years old, and they have the opportunity to transact on that level. And, and I'm just telling you that the future of Pokemon, in my opinion, from an investment value perspective, has everything to do with the influence that that 30-year-old kid today will have when they're 45. So that 129000 that I paid is going to look similar to what you were ripping off grandma for uh, back in the day. The, the, right. the dudes that were like, "Woo, we got $129,000. they are going to be like, ugh, can't believe it. We sold him $129,000. <laughs> no, they, that's the deal, man. That's the deal. So, so, so looking at Pokemon as a landscape, yeah. and Christian, I am sorry because I'm I'm asking no, no. questions. And I'm very clearly excited by this. Um, <laughs> Uh, is like so 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 when you look at Pokemon, obviously you know uh, with with Pokemon, obviously you know the the older the better, and then even then it's 
you know, the, the, the subsets of, um, you know, shadowless and first edition and, yeah. and all that. So, but can someone who wants to potentially look at Pokemon cards uh, as an investment today still get in it or, to, or like, yeah. how does, how do you get past that barrier feeling like I may have already missed that boat? Well, everyone, all, listen, there's always the tendency to feel like you missed out. And there are certain markets that you can look at and say, I missed out. And you're probably right that you missed out, yeah. right? But an emerging market where the core consumer, where the core, you know, emotionally, emotion, the most emotionally attached person to the brand is 30. Mm -hmm. And that's, the, that's kind of the max age because those were the 10-year-olds back in the day. Mm -hmm. sure. There's no way anybody's missed out. Because again, proximity to capital only gets better as you get older. That's just the way it is. And so the bottom line is no one's missed out. And here's what I would suggest. You know what? I love origin stories. I love 1999 Pokemon. I love 1998, 1997, six and five Pokemon. Matter of fact, like some of the stuff that I'm really buying right now are like these trainer decks, the mm. trainer deck A and B. And just to kind of give you an idea what these are, these were the original cards that they had shipped out prior to the 1999 base set. And they actually have red backs, trainer oh, deck. Wow. Yeah, they're very, very rare, okay? And in a sense, what I'm saying to you is, yeah, you don't start there. But where you start is, you look at, you look at the first edition. If you want some first edition cards, buy something that's not a hollow. Go buy a Pikachu. Pikachu's one of the most identifiable characters in the world. You can get a Red Cheeks, which is the rare version, Pikachu, PSA 10, first edition, shadowless, for around $2,000, okay? A year ago, it was maybe $800. All right. A year from now, they will be five thousand dollars. But that is that is the that is the way an emerging market works. It works basically where you can say, okay, I could go out and say, let me go buy the Charizard. Let me go get the and Charizard. But I wouldn't recommend that. I what I would recommend is go out there and get the Pikachu. It's a common card. It's a low pop. Or secondarily, forget the first edition. The Shadowless cards are still extremely cool. Right after the first edition cards, the shadowless cards. And how do you know they're shadowless? Because there's no shadow mm -hmm. uh, where basically box. these two quarters meet. You'll see a shadow on the, limited, on the unlimited cards. But mm -hmm. yeah, go start there. And still go with key characters, either hollow cards or like a Pikachu or like a starter or something like that. But that would mm -hmm. be my recommendation. No one has missed out on Pokemon. Pokemon is the biggest entertainment property of all time. It's only growing. It certainly seems from what, what, from my purview and looking at cards and all that other stuff that it's just only touching a whole new generation of kids who can now share an experience with their parent. Yeah, don't go after the Charizard unless you're a few people, okay? Go get the Pikachu and feel great about it in 10 years. That's what I would suggest. You, um, you've had, uh, or you've showcased on, on Twitter some pretty extraordinary cards um like we actually just talked uh, a couple weeks ago about um one of the uh, trainer cards that got sold you know kind of oh. kind of on the market um, yeah. <laughs> um how you know what what generally is your uh method and or like how do you how do you brush into the the cards that that you get and uh, things like that are you you know well, is there a secret cabal of pokemon yeah. uh card traders that uh you know you need a special password <laughs> yeah. to get in yes there is <laughs> well actually can i tell you i have found that the pokemon so i've been involved in the pokemon business since yep. 2006 when we 
uh, in my former company took it from uh, Hasbro, the license mm-hmm. from Hasbro to, to develop the toys globally. And I didn't really become a collector until the last year or so of really okay. focusing on Pokemon product. Now I have some cool stuff from like worlds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What I have found is the Pokemon community is maybe the most open, interested, helpful community I've ever seen. Um, I've now really gone deep. But let me tell you what my mentality was, okay? My mentality was, I want to start with my most aspirational set. I had the capital to do it, and so I went after the 99 set, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, where did that take me? It took me down to, well, you know what I really want? I want all the 99 cards by Wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't really as compelled by Jungle and Fossil, so mm-hmm. I started looking at the trainer deck stuff, because there was a real special story there. So I got the trainer deck stuff. I probably have one of the best. I think I have one of the top five trainer deck collections. Has to be uh, based on the numbers that I have. Then, then, you, then I looked further and I thought, well, you know what? I love Charizard and Charizard is really paying off. So I have my Charizard card. So I, I collected all the Charizards from 1995 to 1999 in PSA 10 condition. There are some right. extremely low pop items like the original Top Sun cards from 95. Mm-hmm. I have the blue back. The unnumbered blue back, the green back, and the hollow card. Those cards, none of them have a population over 60. That makes this particular card look like it's not scarce. And yet the pricing on those cards are like one-tenth the price of a Charizard Unlimited. I mean, a Charizard uh, First Edition. I guess what I'm saying to you is I followed my passion from the 99 set to all of 99 to everything Charizard prior to 99 to everything Pikachu 99, including every single possible iteration from E3 to Australia Poke Tour to uh, first edition Australia, but like crazy, crazy level of detail. But that's the way I say, follow your passion, follow the key characters, follow the stuff that the, I would say the masses are gonna find interesting, uh, mm-hmm. but then look for your niche and, that, and that's mine. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about the older Pokemon cards, because obviously those are like the big ticket items, but you know, there's still Pokemon cards that are coming out today, you know, and, and, you know, is there any, do you anticipate there being any like value in those cards, you know, because there's the gold rares, there's the rainbow rares, there's, you know, they, they, they do have this like artificial scarcity level. And I know there's like an immediate market for them because the kids who are playing the games today want a deck full of the rainbow rares and stuff like that but do you do do you anticipate there being any sort of like value to those cards um 10 20 years down the line well let me draw an analogy for you okay because again i do have the benefit of age and age can come with wisdom not necessarily (laughs) but it can okay generally speaking i found that the younger folks carry more wisdom but it's not doesn't have to be the case all right so Here's the deal. What I have found is that it takes time. But if you look at basketball cards, for instance, and you look at the key basketball card set, I would say it's probably the 86-87 set. All right, 86-87 Fleer. Jordan's rookie is a big deal, right? Um, there were basketball cards that predated that by 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're valuable and they're interesting. But that was an iconic set because that was really the, the, the second coming of basketball. All right. Now, this last weekend, a LeBron James exquisite upper deck, a BGS nine and a half, 
sold for $1.8 million. Okay. 1.8 million with buyer's commission. This was a one of 25. This wasn't a one of one. And I guess what I'm trying to say to you is that that card was scarce hmm. and that card was issued, I believe and I, off the top of my head, probably early 2000s, 2003, I believe, because he's in his 17th year. Okay. Yeah, this is rookie so, season. 2003 is 17 years after that iconic FLIR set and probably 70 years after the initiation of basketball cards. So I don't, I'm not going to draw an experience from Pokemon and say, yeah, Pokemon, I'm going to draw an analogous experience from other card collecting and collector philosophy and mentality, which regardless of what you're interested in, humans are only so complicated, okay? The way we collect is the same, whether you're collecting basketball or Pokemon. I'm sorry, you're the same dudes, okay? We're the same dudes. But, but the source, the brand of interest is different. So the answer to that question is absolutely. As long as there's scarcity, as long as there's new characters, as long as there's something like a region that, that someone specifically falls in love with when they're nine, as long as any of these things exist, there's going to be the reason and the value in future Pokemon cards. No question in my mind. Now, if every possible card was issued to the maximum supply, that would be not very smart. That would not be the best way to manage a brand. And trust me, that's not the way this thing is managed. But in addition to that, uh, the answer to your question is absolutely yes. Longevity of a brand like this is very clear to me in terms of valuation. You've just given hope to thousands of our viewers and listeners <laughs> who have, you know, who, who have been buying like the, po the recent Pokemon card sets and don't know what to do with them now. Yes. You know, just hang on to them. They're going to, they might be worth something someday. You know, I, I think another thing that, I, that I've seen in card collecting is that the unopened boxes, as long mm -hmm. as there's something scarce, as long as there's even one card that's scarce, the, even the lotto ticket that's inside, um, it can create long, longevity of valuation. So, like, I listen, the, the unlimited cards where there was just a massive amount produced don't tend to capture long-term valuation unless people just played the heck out of them and there's only very few at the very top of the food chain that, that grade the highest grades. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that's happened is grading systems have been phenomenal for collecting because it does, it takes things like the unlimited sets um, and it allows you to further create a stratification in valuation. So if you've got a well-played, very supplied card, you could turn it into kindling and probably get more utility out of it than the, than the value that it's <laughs> But if you keep them pristine, some of them, um, I, I can only imagine that over time that there's value even placed to everyday developed cards. Yes. Um, I want to tra transition a little bit over to uh, just sort of Pokemon, the, um, the franchise and, and it as a, as a toy brand. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, so this show started uh, around the launch of uh, Detective Pikachu, the movie. Um, nice. Mainly because, you know, uh, Christian um, has been writing for the site for uh, for a long time. Is basically, he was our, our Poke 
or poke journalists um, for, <laughs> for, for, for a term. Very good. And, and, and you know, one of the things that, that, that we know is we are, uh, there, there's one other host in, in our crew, Megan Peters. Um, you know, we are all, we're passionate Pokemon fans. And, um, you, know, you know, for us, when Detective Pikachu launched, you know, for me, it looked like a, an opportunity for awareness of the franchise, which is already huge, but to, to, to be even bigger. Right. Uh, but you know, just you know, a live action Hollywood blockbuster, it, you know, gets is big. Um, in your, in your time, you know, kind of, kind of with the license where do you feel that, you know, that we are still on kind of the, the upward climb for Pokemon or, or like, has it hit a little bit uh, of a plateau? Um, what, what's your general sense of, you know, awareness and, and appetite for Pokemon right now. You know, you know, here's what I find interesting about Pokemon. Okay. It's almost like our, it's almost like the little secret that everyone keeps, <laughs> right? Like no one's keeping the star Wars secret. No one goes like, Hey, I know this brand. Maybe you've heard of it. Star Wars. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, but he, let me give you a stat that may blow your mind or you may know it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is the number two entertainment property of all time from a retail dollar perspective, okay? Since 1977, Star Wars has driven about $50 billion at retail, okay? Number one is Pokemon. Mm. In 20 plus years, it's driven 90 billion. Wow. So think about that on a per year basis and kind of divvy that up and figure that one out. Now I'm talking about all retail dollars driven, across all categories, okay. but that is no secret. And that is not a sign of a brand that doesn't have reach. So yeah, it has remarkable reach. Um, and I, I can tell you that it's only been better and better from a toy perspective. Um, but I think that this is the type of brand that is gonna grow because the age doesn't tend to have a ceiling. So as that 30-year-old becomes 40 and the 40-year-old becomes 50, it's still part of their lifestyle. So where the greatest opportunity of growth is, I think, is in the evolution of Pokemon from being a kid's brand to being a lifestyle brand. And that is going to be a fascinating thing to watch. And I'm watching it in real time because my, and let me just tell you this, the people at Pokemon are about the best people I've ever worked with. They're incredibly bright. They're very strategic. And they plan deep into the future. So when I first got involved in 2006, there weren't really talks about let's create patterns for shirts for adults in apparel or skateboard decks that reach out to people who are 35 years old, right? But now there is. And so what I'm saying to you is give it time. And what you're going to see is Pokemon evolve. Listen, 50 years from now, Pokemon's going to be in the old folks home too. You're going to have elderly people with Pikachu pillows. And that's going to be a beautiful thing because so were the, their grandkids will too. That's the thing that's so cool about this brand is it never, you never age out of it. So I'm giving you a long-winded answer because mm-hmm. I'm long-winded. That's the reason. <laughs> so, uh, well, so, so how do you, you know, I would imagine, uh, you know, you, you would, you're, potentially given the heads up on, on certain moves and things like that. Yeah. So are you able to plan around things like 
Pokemon Journeys coming to Netflix because that's an instance where like, sure, Pokemon's been on, on Netflix, um, you know, previous seasons for, for a, a long time now. But, you know, to me, I've always been, I, I've been the opinion that like Pokemon Journeys, brand new episodes and things like that coming to a platform like Netflix could potentially blow it up even, even bigger. Yeah. Am I just, for lack of a better term, full of shit or is, oh. is that? No, I don't think you're full of it. I think I think uh, I think any opportunity for there to be a shared experience, um, Netflix does bring that to the table. Like mm-hmm. it's more likely that a someone outside of the traditional Pokemon age range, um, who also has the potential of sharing this with a child or mm-hmm. a grandchild, comes across it on Netflix, then comes across it on XD, uh, just because it's very unusual for someone my age. Uh, who's not in toys and not in games to be like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to watch NBC. Okay. Now I'm going to watch XD. Like it's, it's, but if you're watching Netflix and you're like, Oh, what is this? The sixth most watch or the fourth most watch thing going on right now. All right, fine. I'll check it out. I mean, I, I checked out uh, airbender the other day. I've never watched an episode of it. Uh, I watched the first episode. It was, it was great. I liked it a lot. Uh, if that were on uh, not on Netflix, I probably wouldn't have given it a thought. So the answer is yes, I think more eyeballs for sure. Uh, but again, the worst kept secret uh, of all time. <laughs> so you, your, your company is Wicked Cool Toys, which has the global license for uh, the Pokemon franchise. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, we were like talking around it, but we, we never actually just explicitly right. said yes. that. Yeah, um, cool. uh, which the, you know, you, you've, in the last couple of years, your toys, your Pokemon toys have like appeared on the shelves of Target and Walmart and stuff like that. We've transitioned to that. How have you tried to like, how has Wicked Cool Toys tried to like make its own like twist on like Pokemon toys? I mean, we, we've, we've seen yeah. Pokemon toys forever. So what are you doing to make, you know, these toys unique? Or is that actually a goal? Are you just trying to you know, continue the ship because, you know, it's going to make money. No, look, there's, there's definitely innovation attached. But, let, but I'll step back. The, so the larger picture is Pokemon invested in my, in, in my, and my, my business partner's company uh, at Wicked Cool Toys when we were Wicked Cool Toys in 2016. Uh, it took a lot of foresight on their behalf to grant us the global toy license. We had Cabbage Patch Kids and a few other uh, major licenses. But honestly, Pokemon is a... Uh, uh, one of the biggest in the world and we've communicated the biggest when it comes to entertainment brands. So when they issued the license, the, the, the opportunity to us and they took a investment in our company, um, it was truly, uh, the objective, uh, was to, um, like almost have a consortium the way there's a consortium in, in Japan. Mm. It just happened to be that we're so good at what we do that we attracted a lot of, uh, opportunity, uh, opportunities. And, uh, one, one of the things that happened was we, really loved the people at Jazzwares. And when they came around and provided an offer, we couldn't refuse. We joined <laughs> ours now. And so now we're a top 10 toy company in the world at Jazzwares. So to answer your question, um, there's a few things as a toy partner of Pokemon, okay, that, that are very important. Number one, it's most important to respect the cards. The cards are the most important element from a consumer product standpoint. And I think that for me, and for us as a toy company, we recognize that, that those cards drive everything, right? Uh, number two, the, and the thing that I think that we do best is breadth of line. 
like we're very prolific in our development. So when we have a series of two inch or three inch or four and a half inch or et cetera, we put the product out there and we refresh it very regularly. And on top of that, I would say that our quality standards are uh, very, very, very high. And in, in order to be a Pokemon partner, that's par for the course. Uh, and finally, yeah, every year we've infused some cool innovation into our line, like uh, my partner Pikachu, which was the electronic Pikachu that actually had some sort of reaction to you, touch sensors, et cetera. And, and those types of things um, are, are, are the little spice of innovation that we add on an annualized basis. This year, we're going to have um, Ash's backpack, which unfolds into a giant playset, which is going to be really oh, that's cool. So yeah, every year, fun, innovative stuff. But mostly, it's all about breadth. It's all about quality. And it's all about making sure that retail always has something that they can you know, feel good about so we can make sure that, again, at the end of the day, that the cards are protected and do extremely well. How do you choose which Pokemon get <laughs> figurines? Clearly, I mean, clearly, there are the favorites, right? There's the yeah. favorites that everyone knows and loves. Yeah. Then there are the ones who are very clearly somebody's favorite. Yes. Jim, say what you really want to say. Say what here. you want to say. How can we get more Geodude toys? <laughs> <laughs> so, so in 2006, my initial approach to the Pokemon line was we're going to make every single Pokemon ever. And consumers liked it, but didn't necessarily love it, okay? And, and while that works a lot better in a new generation year, sometimes, especially back in the day when there were four years between generations, now it, there's a tendency for the generations to roll a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. um, it was a riskier proposition. Um, so what we tend to do is we tend to focus on, I would say, the more popular Pokemon in terms of, but we also make sure that the, um, if I were talking about professional wrestling, I would call them B and C level talent. Sure. But I can't refer to Pokemon that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I would say is, uh, it's important for us to always celebrate the breadth of Pokemon, okay? Uh, but, but we also have to continuously reinforce the key characters. Or your rate of sale and velocity of sale just doesn't achieve what retail needs. And it's a very, it's a very, very unforgiving game, the retail game. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I will say that our retail partners are lovely. They're wonderful. But they're lovely and wonderful partially because they know we get it and we know how to maximize their return on investment for the footage that they're providing us. And that's just the truth. So yeah, Geodude, by the way, is based on this conversation, back in the line. Geodude's back. <laughs> 10 Geodudes, 10 Geodudes a wave, every single wave. <laughs> yeah, but okay, but, but seriously, has, has there yeah. been uh, a, a surprise in, the, in that like, you know, you, you, put out, you put out a Pokemon uh, and a toy and, and it sold way better than, than you anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for sure, but I mean, I think re it the is that Pokemon Geodude. Yes, that Pokemon Geodude. Of course <laughs> it is. Listen, let me just tell you something. I, I'm going to show it in a hand graph. There's the very unusual hand graphs. Normal Pokemon, Geodude. That's the point of sale. I mean, so I mean, obviously that math 
is incredible. <laughs> so we have to do more geodudes. Right. Um, Clearly. No, I mean, I think, I think, uh, I think, you know, look, what I've said to you is about as transparent as it gets. I yeah, mean, the no, reality is we, we need and want to have a very broad line that's required. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, we also have to exist at retail, which mm-hmm. means for someone who's really hardcore, it means that they may want one less Pikachu and one more Geodude. But the mm-hmm. challenge is really, it's a game. I mean, literally, it's a juggling act. And the question is, if we have too few Pikachus or too few starters or too few whatever, are we going to be, and, and this, is how, this is how granular it gets, are we going to be as productive as we need on every square inch of this planogram mm-hmm. in order to gain another 12 square inches of the planogram? I mean, it's a, it's a very mathematically sensitive situation. Mm-hmm. So, yes, absolutely. We should have more Geodude. Geodude's one of the coolest characters ever. And so, and, and so because of that, there will be a Geodude that is produced that is because of you. Yes. 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 Uh, all right. Yes. I'm going to ask you, ask you uh, uh, just a, two more quick questions, and then I'll let you go, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, but so this week for us is, is Comic-Con. Yes. And, you know, it is a normally a time of year where, uh, you know, toy companies are rolling out uh, exclusives and all sorts of different things. Yeah. Not necessarily something we've seen with Pokemon. Now, yeah. is that, is that, uh, I mean, is that a, a conscious decision? Is that, you know, something that, uh, you know, you guys have thought about from time to time? Like, what, what keeps Pokemon out of that conversation? Uh, um, I, you know, it's so interesting. I think if you look at Pokemon's rollout calendar, mm-hmm. I don't know how many brands have more news. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's we like cover it every week. <laughs> they don't have to, they don't have to force fit a holiday sure. to bring out news. Now I desire it. I mean, I want to know more and frankly speaking, um, yeah, but the truth is, wait till next Tuesday. I mean, I'm something arbitrary. Right. I'm saying, yeah. yeah, a real date. But next Tuesday there'll be news, and the following Thursday there'll be news, and the next Wednesday there'll be news. Like, yeah. I just feel like they're they're very independent thinking um, in that regard. So um, it's almost like when you least expect it, expect it, right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, all right, and then the, the last question, kind of tying it back to um, you know the, the idea of collecting and cards and whatnot. If yeah. you could give you know uh, someone who is looking to to start in on the the collecting game and, and all that, what are, would you say maybe are like the top three things that um, new collectors need to know uh, for 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 anything? It could be Pokemon related or, okay. or kind of in, in in general. So I'd say the first thing is ask yourself why you're collecting. Okay. If you're collecting because you're transactional and transactional in nature, then you got to collect a platform that actually potentially has an economic benefit to it. Mm-hmm. If you're not collecting because you're transactional in nature, then you just collect entirely only what you love. Like if cookie jars have zero secondary market value, but you freaking love cookies, ha- have your Zen. Go out and collect them. And by the way, I think what you'll find is over the course of time, there really are a whole bunch of cookie jar collectors. And they do pay a lot of money for cookie jars. So, I mean, 
so look, I mean, that, that's the funny part of it. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I mean, A, uh, collect what you're passionate about. B, if it's attached to a platform where there's value and collectability, figural, card, autograph, poster, practically almost anything really that fits into that world, except corked back bottle caps, which unfortunately, is something I collected when I was a kid has zero value apparently. <laughs> uh, and then three, it, if you are collecting for transactional value, keep things in beautiful condition. I mean, you can covet them without necessarily crashing through them uh, because I think later on you'll, you'll regret it. Um, and I think that's it. I mean, you, you almost the same advice I have for someone's career, follow what you're passionate about. And if you can't follow what you're passionate about professionally, keep a toe in it. At least spend 2% of your time doing the thing that you dream about doing. And if you do that, that 2% is very fulfilling, very. So it's just the people that completely are devoid of the thing that they're passionate about. That's the part, that's the people that can get a little bit jaded and well, can that's feel what, like- That's what killed comics, back. right? Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. Interesting. Uh, Jeremy, when are pogs gonna come back on the upswing? Oh my God, what an interesting <laughs> question. So I, I can tell you that um, there is an official pog, there is an official pog owner, and that the official pog owner would be asked, kind of, you know, would may have the same question. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it if it right. were to come back. Are you? <laughs> you want it to come back? I mean, look, I have been sitting on tubes and tubes of uh, of pogs, just waiting, Not waiting for that moment. Not <laughs> surprising at all. Keep your pogs in minty fresh condition, because one day you're going to be. I don't know how old you're going to be. You might be my age. You might be more than my age. And then one day you're gonna be like, what? I just turned on the news where a 1978 Dustin Hoffman Pog, no, not 78, <laughs> 1993 Robin Williams Pog, this sold for $1,400? I've got seven of those. You know, I mean, like. <laughs> oh, amazing. Jeremy, where can, where can people uh, follow, uh, follow you online if they uh, you know, oh. want to get some right. really cool looks at some really cool collectibles? So if you want to talk about collecting and, and stuff that I do uh, personally, it's at Jeremy Padauer, P-A-D-A-W-E-R on Instagram or at Jeremy Com on Twitter. Um, professionally, it's at Jazzwares anywhere you want to go. And the bottom line is uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's truly been a dream. And the fact that I'm talking to you because I like to play with wrestling figures when I was a kid and then I ended up making them. Uh, classic superstars and all that other stuff that we invented uh, and then Pokemon and all it's it's amazing I'm I'm so thrilled to be here with you and this is exactly where I wanted to be when I was a little kid awesome well thank you so much again and uh, we will we'll we will most likely definitely have to have you on the show again to talk let's do it uh, talk about Damn. for sure I'm all ready. right folks uh, for our, that's gonna be it for us today so uh, we're gonna throw it back to the podcast and see what else we're gonna talk about because I don't know. <laughs> well, that interview was fun. And I'm throwing it back to myself because now I know what the next segment of the podcast is. I should have known this when we recorded it, that we were to sh I should have just thrown it to the Pokemon fact of the week because, mm -hmm. you know, that's the last segment of the show.
So, but it's also Jim's secret least favorite part of the show. <laughs> yeah, I takes, love the Pokemon fact of the takes, week. I'm just you, saying. You keep trying to leave it out of the show. That is I don't not. Know. That is not true. I did it once, and I didn't even you like did really it twice. do it. I just, you did it I just two didn't times. do it in the intro. Oh, almost no, in a row. I almost. That was that one time I almost went straight to the closing. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it, I it's pers- a trend. One time, a mistake. Two times, something's going on. Yeah. I personally <laughs> think it's because Jim is secretly preparing to spin off the Poke Fact of the Week into its <laughs> own separate podcast. Um, and we're going to replace the Pokemon Fact of the Week on this podcast with Jim's scheme to make more money. <laughs> No, I would never do that. All right. Like well, you've all right. heard of pyramid schemes, but have you heard of Pokemon <laughs> schemes? <laughs> uh, all right, Christian, hit us with a fact this week. Uh, so this is one of the creepiest, inadvertently creepiest Pokemon facts of the week I've seen in a while. We haven't had one of these in a while, and I, I am excited. Uh, so we, we uh, you know, ever get that feeling when you're sleeping that your nose itches? For some reason, yeah. So yeah. It, that happens in the Pokemon world too, because everyone has itchy noses. Um, but when you reach up to itch your nose when sleeping, you may feel something dangling just an inch from your nose, sucking out your dreams through your nostrils, and that something is drowsy because that is what this creepy freaking pokemon does is it comes to you in its sleep and it dangles its long flaccid nose right over your face and it sucks your dreams out of your nose i mean this is horrifying it is i love this so disturbing and is um so much more disturbing because of drowsy's freaking nose which i understand he's supposed to be a tapir and they've got like the floppy noses but can you just imagine right. that thing like, like an, dangling it's like over an, your it's like an anteater just yeah. sucking the dreams from your well nose. it looks like something else oh, um but can you just imagine that thing like you know family dangling show, family show i i didn't say what it was <laughs> i didn't say what it was you took it there jim you took it there uh, but can you just imagine that thing? Just like you, you waking up and there's Drowsy just hanging there with his his nose flopping around on your face. I mean, I don't want to imagine that. Just you throwing that out there. Uh, but also, like immediately, the first thing I was like, I mean, that could, like when it eats the dream, does it like take your dream from you? Do you not remember it? Like, do you not experience the dream? Because like if that's well, the case, you could use it for like therapeutic measures no that's like you, i mean that's, like that's like a cool like in universe thing you could think of so that makes it like like two notches less creepy than it was <laughs> that that is like drowsy's like shtick is it eats nightmares you know that's based off of um oh what's this uh the uh the baku which is a you know traditional Japanese mythological creature that eats nightmares, and so you know as opposed to like the the mini yokai, which are all presented as being absolutely horrifying creatures, which like so many of the Pokemon are based off of. This mm-hmm. is one like the few like positive like monsters because it eats nightmares, so that you know you don't experience them. So whenever you're having well, a bad dream and it fades away, that's drowsy at work. Well, but the except with the exception being, it looks like just looking at some of the the dex entries, uh, Drowsy actually doesn't like eating bad dreams because they taste sour. 
And so if you cannot remember a good dream, it's probably because drowsy ate it. So drowsy uh, actually wants you to suffer and it's, it's not going to eat your bad dreams and eat your good dreams. It's true. No. There's some of them out but there also, that do like sour things. But like apparently, in, in, apparently in Let's Go, in the Let's Go games, they, uh, if you sleep by it all the time, it will sometimes show you the dreams it had eaten in the past. So you may get other people's dreams if you sleep. Now here. see, now we're moving into like a weird Inception plot. <laughs> a dream within a dream. Like this is how the Pokemon universe would film Inception. It would star oh Drowsy instead he's of the, Leonardo DiCaprio. No, he's the Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just see Drowsy like bouncing around the hallway as it's like, you know, uh, shuffling around. Oh my God. I mean, um, that's that's what it is. So, see, this is actually far less creepy than we anticipated. No, we it's just still... basically found a movie star for the Pokemon universe. <laughs> it's still it's still creepy. Um, just kind of like you know, and Hypno is just like I, I like that Hypno's all of his things are like, yep, it definitely you know likes putting people to sleep. Stay away from it. It's like you know these things read like you know like the noses that go out whenever a predator moves into your neighborhood. You know, that's like what all of Hypno's freaking Pokedex entries are. It's like, yep, he's a creep. He's yeah, going to try to make, put you to sleep. It's a, like, don't stay make the eye hell contact. away from him. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All, like, don't make literally eye every single one of them. It's like, you know, usually they like build off the mythology a little bit. But this one's like, nope, 20 years later, still creepy. Still, and he looks like a creep too. Like, let's be clear. Like, if I had to pick like one Pokemon, you know, who's like, oh, yep, that one has deviant behavior. Hypno's gotta be on the top of my list. It can't be but, your top pick, though. I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, I'm talking a very specific type of deviant behavior. And so, yeah, I think I think I would. I think he would have to be like top three Pokemon that you know in the in like our universe would be known as like the Houston Flasher or something like that. Okay, All but right. would you rather would you rather encounter? A, a group of um, lamp pints or a group of drowsy? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's lampent are waiting for me to die. So as long as they don't just <laughs> congregate by me, I think I'm okay. Because, I, okay. you know, like now if lampent just starts showing up outside my door, it's like, okay, that's weird. Um, yeah. I should probably go to the doctor and get that. <laughs> if a bunch of drowsy just show up my door, I'm probably going to call them something that I'm not allowed to say on this family-friendly Pokemon podcast um, involving their face and a particular <laughs> feature of it. Um, and then they're probably going to attack me and like hit me with the, their noses. Um, so I don't know. I think I would go with the Lampant because... Yeah. If a lampet shows up, if a bunch of lampet shows outside of me, they're just trying to give me a warning. Like they're literally like that cat, you know, uh, in nursing homes that only shows up to people's, you know, rooms yeah. when they're about to die. Um, but in this case, I'm cognizant of it, so I can get my hospital like immediately. And they'll be like, "Okay, sir, what is your emergency?" I'm like, "I don't know, but there are a bunch of ghost Pokemon following me, so do all the scans." <laughs> and that would be helpful. 
All right. Well, with that, uh, about ends our show for today. So I hope you enjoyed uh, the interview. We hope you enjoyed uh, the news. We hope you enjoyed the Pokemon Fact of the Week. And we hope you come back next week for another great show. Another great show. Indeed. But if you want more, let's, if you say, let's say this is your first, your first time listening and you go, wow, that Pokemon Fact of the Week, it's super interesting. I want to find out more. Well, we've got plenty of episodes for you to listen to. Uh, I would not suggest listening to the very early episodes because that was what, us still kind of trying to figure this out. While they were very good. Whoa, were whoa, rough. whoa. They I was about to say. Those are I listened, to, I listened we, to one or one or two of them and I was like, oh man, how far we've come. <laughs> I remember. They are excellent though. You can make remember, fun of us for I mean, it we if were you listen excellent. to them. <laughs> I remember like uh, Jim, like right after we recorded like the first like episode or two, he like shoots me like a DM on our like company messaging system and was like, Christian, you need to vamp more. I'm like, what is vamping? He's like, he's like, yeah, you need to banter. I was like, banter. I was like, and that that is how I started to make fun of Jim on these episodes. Every it's the only week. way he knew how. That, that's banter, that, that's my more. idea of banter. This is like, oh, the kid gloves come off. Time to mock Jim incessantly. Vicious mockery at this point. My, uh, you know, I had a friend listen to my podcast and goes, uh, listen to this podcast. And he was like, isn't Jim your boss? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's true. He, he does hold the hiring power here. Um, <laughs> he's like, you, you really go in on him. I was like, yep, I just can't help myself. I don't know I was why. told to. I yeah, was told exactly. To. Exactly. Well, with that, like I said, we already dropped the review, uh, you know, plug in the in the beginning of the show. But just in case you've made it this far and forgot, uh, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars. And if we read it on the air, you get a free comicbook.com t-shirt when we are back in the office. New episodes can be found wherever podcasts are found every Thursday. Usually every sometime in the morning. Thursday. So tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your family. Tell your family. Tell your coworkers. Because look, with all the information you just learned in the interview that uh, we that you just listened to, like Pokemon's going to be a big deal. And if you want to start making some of those bucks, your family's going to be like, "Where did you Where did you make all of these sound investments?" Like, I, I listened to a wild podcast has appeared. That's Hoffer it. and all of his banking expertise is just silently laughing in the corner. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Jeremy is a very smart person. Yep. And there is definitely, um, it took me a while with that interview to like, he kept it on. It's like, yeah, collecting investments. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, keep a straight face. Keep a straight face. I mean, he, what he says makes a lot of sense, especially the yep. further you get on the interview. Like he, he had me like come around to it clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, it's still a hard sell for the average person. Like, go ahead, go to your accountant and say, I would like to put, take all my money out of my 401k 
and put them into folk Pokemon cards. Well, that's not not exactly not exactly what he says there. He, no, he doesn't say that at all. <laughs> he doesn't but, say you know, that. like but, most people. Most people fair, like when any and all investment advice that you get that you get on the show is is please it is. <laughs> don't drain <laughs> your four hundred one k. Yeah, don't drain your four hundred one. In times like these, <laughs> however, no. if you really want to take a roll of the dice, no, but drain here's, your here's, here's here's what I hope this does is like you know I mean there are there are times where uh, you know I even see it I even see it here locally and I know we got to wrap this up but like there will be people who are just be you know selling batches of pokemon cards right like mm-hmm. just batches at a time and you know they may be selling them for like 50 60 bucks and you know if that's a, a you know th- th- those are usually you know a gamble but i i know from my own experience i have done that a few times and i have found some some gems in there that make that you know purchase of that collection totally worth it for me uh, and then some and so um, you know, so, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we'd love to have Jeremy on again, but we also, yeah. I mean, obviously, as you just heard, it's, it's fascinating to hear his perspective on just like the Pokemon as a brand, uh, since they are, since they have the master toy license, which was, was fascinating stuff to, to mm-hmm. listen to. So, uh, so we hope you enjoyed it. We're, we're going to try and get more interviews and stuff on, uh, on the show as we sort of trek through the, these next couple of months. Um, so if there's anyone who you think's out there who's a big Pokemon fan that you think we should be talking to, let us know. Uh, we're you know we want to talk to some some streamers. We want to talk to some other you know big fans who have some other big shows uh, in our space because one thing that you know Jeremy said Jeremy said you know the Pokemon fan base is is almost kind of like a family and it is a uh, you know it's a fan base that that obviously we love and you know with with this audience and so. Um, you know, the more we can branch out, I think the more more fun this will be. So, yeah. uh, enough rambling uh, from my end. If you want to find uh, me on Twitter, you can find me at, at Jim Biscardi. You want to find me on Twitter? I am at Megan Peters CB. And I am at Seahoffer Seabus. We'll talk to you later, folks. Have a good one. Bye.